welcome to Less Than or Equal, the podcast about pursuing equality in geekdom by celebrating the diverse and their accomplishments. We're on the Relay FM Podcasting Network, and I'm your host, Aline Sims. Today, I am joined by Sev Leonard. Sev, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, so, Sev, who are you? Um, let's see. I, I'm a lot of things. Uh, I guess um, I'm uh, a Portlandian. Um, I am a... Uh, trans guy, an FTM transgender person. Um, I am a, uh, an outdoor lover. I love being outside. And um, I'm a career technologist. Uh, I've been working in the tech industry for about 17 or 18 years at this point. Um, and kind of currently I'm on this sort of dual journey route with uh, gender transition and also job transition where I've um, in the last, gosh, it's probably been 14 months or so, I quit my corporate job of a decade and uh, struck out to see what I could do about uh, making a living on my own. Oh, that's terrifying. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about the corporate side of things first. Um, sure. What did you do and how is that different from what you're doing now besides having, you know, like a, a job with... The illusion of security. (laughs) The illusion of security is a great way to put it, especially since the place that I worked um, was Intel. Uh, It's currently laying people off right now. Um, So I was at Intel for, like I said, about a decade. Um, I started there doing um, analog design, um, custom digital circuit design work for the core microprocessor family. So when the first um, generations of the Core i7 and Core i5 came out, that was the product that I had joined Intel and started working on. and about, you know, after uh, four to six years of working on that, I said, you know, I'd, I'd like to kind of pivot my career in another direction. Um, wasn't feeling uh, the kind of challenge that I wanted in the hardware space and was getting more interested in software and uh, data mining analytics was kind of starting to come up. So um, the last about four years I was working at Intel, I had been able to sort of pivot, um, leverage the network of people that I'd uh, met um, largely uh, at the time through the Women in Intel Network to help myself get over into a completely different job category as a software developer. Um, and I was doing prototyping for a lot of our CES demos or prototyping with custom hardware vehicles that we would take over to like Samsung or Sony and show off like this is what Intel stuff is capable of doing. Um, so it was pretty interesting work and I was also starting to dip my toe into analytics, uh, text mining in particular. And so that was kind of my, my corporate life was uh, I, when I left Intel, I was doing uh, mostly like application development type work. And I'd kind of been plotting my exit from the corporate world for a, a very long time. Um, I knew that I wanted to try working for myself. And part of the reason I went into software was it seemed a lot easier to be able to get freelance gigs and that sort of thing in software than it is in hardware. Um, in addition to just kind of being a little more interested in the software side of things as that has evolved over the last decade or so. And um, so I kind of saved up the last couple of years I was working at Intel. I started sharpening skills in areas that I wanted to go into, and I was doing a lot of networking. At the time, I had kind of pinpointed that I wanted to do data science consulting, and I'd had some exposure to doing that sort of work through um, statistical modeling, things that I had done on circuit side and um, text mining things that I'd done in application development and just kind of would go out to meetups for probably about six to nine months talking to people about what I wanted to do and kind of refining 
what I was looking for. And I eventually found a mentor to work with um, who also had his own data science consulting business. And I said, hey, you're doing exactly what I want to do. What can I you know, do to learn from you? Um, what advice do you have for me? And just kind of uh, developed a relationship with this person. And through that, I was able to start doing some work for him. And that led to some more client work, which those things enabled me to launch and uh, quit my corporate job. So that's kind of where things got started was kind of making that leap with a little bit of safety, but it was super terrifying. Um, I've never quit a job before. I've definitely never left a job without having something sure to jump to, mm-hmm. and that sure thing being another full-time W-2 type job. So I'd never done anything like that before. I was really terrified, but it felt like the time in my life that uh, I was able to make that transition and take that risk. And um, so I, I just kind of went for it. Um, and it's pivoted from from that considerably you know, over, the, over the last 12 months, but it's uh, it's been a very interesting ride for sure. I'm just over here shaking my head because that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of different things you've been able to, I want to say dip your toe into, but it's probably a deeper dive than dipping your toe. Right. Yeah. That had to have been super fascinating and like, hmm, like I'm a person who, who likes to learn. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you've done a thing where you've positioned yourself throughout your career to always, always be learning. Yes. Yeah, that's um, that's my thing, too, is um, and I've kind of struggled in the tech industry with that because um, I went to college in like the late 90s, early 2000s, back when if you wanted to do programming, you had to get a computer science degree and everything was very deep focused. So if you wanted to do electrical engineering or computer science, like you had to be really theoretical and really interested in all of this stuff. And that just wasn't me. Um, I was interested in learning enough to be able to operate and do things within a paradigm, whether it's software or hardware or a specific programming language. But um, I'm more interested in what can you achieve with technology by using a variety of different things. And of course, as the industry evolves, my interest evolved with it. And I've been very fortunate um, that both kind of my natural interests and the um, kind of being able to leverage this uh, growth in the technology industry as that's changing. So are my interests and have been able to jump into a bunch of different areas um, over. Yeah. Since, since I quit basically. Wow. And even before then. Yeah. I'm just, I, I don't know. I feel <laughs> super impressed because I, I, I know I know hardware takes a certain mindset and software takes a different mindset and different types of software development and different kinds of hardware development. And just the, the flexibility and uh, ability to learn is super impressive to me. So oh, thank you. Like... It's, it's fun. I just like, um, I know my interest in hardware was, uh, uh very, um, very low level. Like I was really interested in the physics of how transistors work actually. And mm-hmm. um, I didn't want to go to school for a PhD in solid state electronics, which is kind of what you would, the path if you wanted to do the physics side of things. So I settled on analog circuit design in a sense as, you know, being that, that sort of design work is a little bit closer. So you do have to consider quantum effects and that sort of thing. Um, I gave a talk at Ignite Portland, which is like a, a show, uh, an evening of lightning talks and uh, it was called, it was um, an Angry Birds themed talk about semiconductor physics that I ended up titling um, Semiconductor Physics as Explained by Irate Avians uh, <laughs> because I had gotten in touch with Rovio and I said, hey, I have this slide deck. I want to give this talk. 
is it okay for me to use these images? And I expected them to just fully tell me no and that I would have to come up with another kind of shtick for my talk. And they wrote back and they said, yes, those are the right images to use, but we have educational material, so could you please take Angry Birds out of the title? And um, Irate Avians was something that the Facebook hive mind brought to me when I posted this out there and said, hey, I need some help. I can't call it this. Um, so I've really kind of enjoyed being able to uh, bring some some humor and some educational piece into the hardware um, side of things. And I think because you know my interest in hardware was very low level, my interest in software is kind of super high level, um, really on the different end of the spectrum that it's been nice to kind of be able to be elastic between those two things. Um, and I've also spent some time, let's see, I did the data science consulting work for a while. And then I, what did I do after that? Um, I took a little bit of time off because I went straight from working into consulting. Um, that was also during a time that I was uh, having uh, top surgery, which is, um, uh, you can you can Google that if you're not sure what that is. is I'll what put I'll a say link in the that. show notes so that yeah. people who need help can can find it there. Can find it there, yes. Um, and so I took some time off for that, and then I started working on, uh, kind of got sick of doing the business thing, because a lot about starting a business is not doing work. It's getting a business going, which is yet another mindset um, where you have to become the salesperson, the marketing person, the person who does the work. You have to set yourself up um, legally and um like from a tax point of view, meet with accountants, figure all that stuff out. And yeah. I wasn't doing enough fun development work because that's what I missed was like making the technologies. So um, I, uh, I'll give a shout out to XO Fest here in Portland. Um, the Andes here run this really awesome festival and I was uh, able to go, uh, I guess it was in summer, and was just super inspired by all the really awesome things people are creating and meeting folks that are just kind of going for what they're passionate about. And I said, well, maybe that can help me fuel doing something just like a pet project that I can have alongside of my work that really is fulfilling that need to be creating while I'm also building up a business. And that's where um, this website I developed, Camp Near Me, came from. It's campnear.me. It's a .me domain. And what I did is I sat down and said, you know, I'm really frustrated that it's too hard to find camping opportunities. Um, there's, you know, if you want to reserve a site, you have to go to Reserve America. If you want a Forest Service website or campsite, you have to go look at the Forest Service. There's all this disparate information. A lot of it's contradictory. And so what I did is sort of leverage the data um, extraction and organization skills that I'd been honing as a consultant and went out, found sources of data, pulled them all together, did a lot of cleaning and some analysis on it and kind of presented this uh, Pacific Northwest camping platform, basically, that would allow you to search and say, well, I want to be, you know, not just 50 miles away, but from Portland, you know, what can I get to in two hours? Because for me, I'm going, I want to get out of town. How long is it going to take me to get there? Not necessarily how many miles it is, because mm -hmm. depending on, you know, forest road travel, that can be pretty misleading in trying to figure out how you're going to get there. And um, that sort of developed and took on a life of its own. I started showing friends. Um, I built in a capability where I could go and scrape reserve reservation availability, which was really nice that I could say, hey, I want to go camping this weekend. Just, you know, um, go out and uh, my little automated robots, my Python robots, and find out what's available. Tell me what's available so I can book it. Um, or, you know, tell me what are good first come first serve options if nothing's available. And my friends were like, wow, this is really great. Like yeah. developing it. Um, and so then this 
side project sort of took on a life of its own and um i kind of put out like a you know version version 0.01 of it as friends and um i wanted to get some more feedback on where should i go next with this so i applied to present it at demolicious during portland startup week and was selected to present to a panel and um a bunch of new technology and hobby technology enthusiasts what i had so far and that was in February, and kind of out of that, I got a lot of people coming up to me and saying, hey, this is a really cool idea. You know, I either know someone who's also working in outdoor tech, or, you know, I'm a marketing person, let's talk, or I do sales. So that kind of launched this whole thing of, oh, well, maybe this hobby project that I've been working on could become a startup venture. Um, so I kind of went from hardware to software to data science consulting to potential startup founder and have spent, gosh, most of the spring kind of investigating that avenue. So I would say probably from like February, March, April-ish, um, met with a bunch of people, uh, people from the Forest Service to talk to them about what is going on with their data, how are they going to be improving it, um, how can I access additional information to like um, people at travel agencies. Uh, I think I've talked to pretty much every uh, outdoor tech camping related startup CEO that I can find to just say, hey, I'm doing this thing. What are you doing? What do you think of it? And um, that was super interesting. And, and, and again, a whole different paradigm of now I'm not writing any software or doing any hardware. I'm just talking to people and networking and getting ideas and you know, inevitably as you talk to somebody and then they introduce you to someone else and they introduce you to someone else. Um, so as I was kind of fleshing that out, uh, I came to the conclusion that I didn't really want to run a startup. Uh, so <laughs> um, I'm like, well, this is this is cool and all, but, you know, it's outdoor tech. I'm not sure that I want to put in the kind of effort that would be required to launch this into a startup product, either selling the data or developing another like B2C type product of which there are a few out there already. So um, it was kind of this interesting uh, tangent that I went off on for a little while. Um, and then just so what that's that leaves us at May um, when I was uh preparing most most of may and june has been preparing or presenting uh tutorials and um uh workshops i presented at pycon and did a tutorial on object-oriented data pipelining that was uh, lord of the rings themed i like to do when i talk about technical content i uh i like to do something that's kind of funny to get mm -hmm. keep people engaged because if you just keep talking especially in talking about abstract concepts like object-oriented programming you really need to kind of break that up. Um, and so that's that's kind of like my shtick whenever I present something is there has to be some sort of pop culture tie-in. Um, and then with the uh, Camp Near Me stuff, I was like, well, you know, I don't really want to do a startup, but it would be really cool to put an API on this database and make it available to developers to see what people would do with it, um, potentially turn it into like an open data project that people can contribute to. So um, I went to Tor Camp which was up in the San Juan Islands this year, and that was in, I guess, mid-June. And I put on just like a, a hackathon workshop and wrote an API for the database and said, hey, here's an, here's an API I have. You know, anybody who's interested, why don't you, you know, show up and we'll hack on it together. And that was really fun to see that the people are really interested in working with the data and talking through different ideas. So that's uh, 
kind of been like the whirlwind last, gosh, 12 to 14 months here. And now I'm back to, I think what I'm going to focus on now is just general freelancing. So kind of making a list of all the skills that I have and just looking around and saying, okay, can I pay my bills or some of my bills by doing freelance work is kind of in the last week or two, the, the latest pivot. Um, yeah, so that's kind of been the long, strange journey of uh, corporate to through my, my self-employment adventure here. Wow. Um, it was super interesting to me when you know, we were talking about, you know, trying to schedule you coming on and all of that stuff. The um, camp near me came up because I volunteered at App Camp for Girls in Portland last August. Oh, cool. And um, our design coach was talking about like wireframing an app. And she was like, so what if I wanted to come up with an app? Like my family and I like to go camping. And so we want to know, you know, what campsites are around us and what amenities they have and um, how how people rate them. Like we could put a star rating on and all that stuff. So when you uh, when you told me about camp near me, I was like, oh, this is it takes me back to app camp. Um, Oh, that's great. So I I thought it was a fun coincidence. Mm-hmm. Gosh, there's so much to unpack with what you've done. Uh, I mean, I mean, really, in just a few months, you went from conceiving of a, pot- a potential startup to thoroughly investigating it to deciding to walk away from trying that. And after you'd invested all that time, I feel mm-hmm. like that's a thing that people don't do. They in- they're like, well, I've already invested all of this time into doing this thing, so I need to I need to keep pushing pushing through. Mm-hmm. Was that a hard decision? Um, yes and no. I mean, I had put a ton of work into it, but I kind of stopped myself short of, um, at the time that I went and presented Demolicious in February, I kind of hit a point where I was like, okay, I've done a lot of work on this. There's a lot more work still to be done, but I want to, before I go any further, see if that's something that, like, you know, we're getting beyond the hobby fun project here. Um, so is there a market for that? And is that something I want to pursue? So um, in a way, I kind of stopped myself before investing too much time. But it was it is has been something that still I struggle with because it's still in my in the back of my mind. I'm like, I'm still going to be working on it. And I still think that there could be a really valuable spot for it. Um, but what I've um, one thing that I found really helpful as I've kind of been on this journey trying to uh, become a freelancer or a business owner or whatever you'd like to call it is I found it really helpful to continually check back in with myself, like probably about once a month and say, okay, um, I have, what are my goals? You know, have they changed? You know, when I left Intel, my goal was I want to be a data science consultant and specifically I want to go into businesses and advise them on how um, to collect information, how to use information, and kind of have this very high-level thing. So it was a very specific thing that I wanted at that time. Um, And I found that as I went through the process of working with a few clients and looking at the types of other gigs that were out in that space, that I would stop and reevaluate and say, am I having fun? Or if I'm not having fun, am I getting there? Is this still what I want to be doing? And I found it helpful to kind of... um, you know, I don't, I don't want to say cut my losses because I don't feel like they were losses. Like mm-hmm. I felt like this has all been really good 
um, both from a professional and a personal growth point of view. I mean, I was a cubicle dweller who was terrified to leave their job. And now I've been networking with, you know, I, I think nothing now of sending an email to a CEO um, of a startup and saying, hey, I'm really interested in your product or asking people for introductions. And that has been really great. Um, I would say that being like, and the same thing happened with Camp Near Me is I'd invested the time and said, okay, like, let's check in. What do I want to do next? I want to get feedback. Okay, so I'll get feedback. And then as I'm going through getting the feedback and kind of coming up with, okay, you know, I'm not feeling it. Like, I'm not feeling like the directions that seem to be the best to take for this are really what I want to do. And that continued check-in. So um, it is a little hard to let go of stuff you've been doing, but I've, I feel like that's been a theme um, really since I was in my late teens. Like, I was very uh, a dedicated trumpet player. I wanted to be a jazz musician in high school. And uh, my parents were like, you should get a job. You know, you should <laughs> study something that you're going to be able to don't follow that dream. Don't do it. Yeah, don't do that. That's a terrible idea. And of course, you know, like any teenager, I hated them for it. Mm -hmm. um, and I ended up going to school and studying um, electrical engineering, but spending half of my time at the music building, also taking trumpet lessons and playing in the jazz ensembles and calling home every once in a while. Mom and dad are like, how's it going? I'm like, I hate it. I'm not a music major. This is terrible. And um, after a few months of hearing that from me, they said, look, just change your major. We just want you to be happy, really. But um, I had started actually liking these. Uh, um, in particular, I was taking a C programming class. And I'm like, I can make the computer do things. Yeah. This is rad. Or um, I can make uh, lights blink. Awesome. And I was kind of backpedaling a little bit and going, well, it's not so bad. And then, you know, having to admit to my parents the thing every teenager hates to do, which was, okay, you were right. Um, I actually like doing this stuff. But at the, what happened was I kind of fell out of love with music. Like my brain was, had discovered this, you know, endless problem solving, number crunching thing and was really into it. And I had to say goodbye to 15 years of playing music and just not, not like, because I had to out of like, I had to make that sacrifice, but it was like my heart and my mind changed and we're like, we're not really interested in this anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd kind of gone through these large things and then leaving behind a hardware development career of, you know, basically getting to a point that I would have been like a mid to senior engineer and walking away from that. A lot of people were very surprised when I said, yeah, I'm going to leave and go take a junior software role in this other team. And I was like, well, why would you do that? Like you've advanced here and you're kind of going back to, um, uh, as a recruiter I talked to recently talked mentioned um you're going back to the uh bottom of the ski hill and you have to ride the lift all the way up again oh interesting to get, like i thought that was a really interesting analogy um and so i feel like letting go of big projects like that have just been kind of a, a fact of the life that i've lived um and even on the gender side of things like i'm in my mid-30s and i had to you know as i came to awareness of who i am and um my my real gender it's like wow that there's a whole history of things there that i'm leaving behind as i embark on you know be living as my, myself basically so so you've made these okay so we've established you're not um averse to change in a way that i am <laughs> <laughs> but you've you've made some really huge concurrent changes in your life and I don't know, 
this is coming from a place of, of again, being very, very change averse. I am not good with change. I try Mm. to be, but I'm not good with change. So you are simultaneously radically changing your career while, um, not changing your gender, but, um, working toward presenting the gender, working toward presenting your gender. I think, yeah, I think how I would probably explain it. And it's been, um, it's hard for me and I have a lot of empathy for people that are trying to put words to it because I'm still having a hard time. I'd say as I'm coming to an understanding of who I really am. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I think it's, um, and this is a little tangential, but for one, I am, I am cisgender, so I don't have a grasp of things. Um, you know, I just, I just don't understand all of it. It's just Mm -hmm. how it is. But secondly, because our society is structured the way it is, we don't, have a lot of the language to talk mm. about things in a an appropriate manner yet does that make sense it does absolutely would yes. you agree with that that's what i feel but i don't know if that's true i w- i would um i think so because you know we at least the experience i had the upbringing and and um everything that I experienced as a child was there's this very binary world and mm-hmm. things are presented in such a matter of fact way that it's not like you know, like, oh, it's a girl, it's a boy, like, from before we're born, there's this very, um, I don't know, um, kind of siloed or very boxed in way that we think about these things. So we're not, we're from before birth, we are, there is no thought of us as, you know, having uh, a gender that is different than what might be assigned to us in a physical sex at birth. So, of course, we don't have language to talk about it because it's not something that people have. Um, I, I don't think it, people really have talked about or um, conceptualized of. Conceptualized, yeah, it's a great word for it. Yep. Yeah. So you've been going through. Oh, and I do want to interrupt myself here. Um, for people who are like me and cisgender, or people who have not um, thought about the experience of being transgender, I do have a an episode where I talked to a transgender friend and she let me ask all of the awful, embarrassing, Mm. horrible questions that, that cisgender people ask her and she answered them. Um, I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. So if people, I know I have a lot of cisgender listeners. Um, so if you're confused or feeling like you want to learn more, we do have a transgender episode. Um, so that's not what this space is for. This is to talk about Sev and his experiences. So I just <laughs> want to make that clear. But you had the experience of um, of the gender transition while making big job transitions. And those mm-hmm. are both huge life changes. Yes. How has that been? Um, it's been very difficult, to yeah. be perfectly honest. Uh there's so many layers to it. Um, one of the most prominent ones that I struggle with is having lived as a woman and worked as a woman. Um, all of my networking and all of the opportunities, um, even how I got into tech, were based on this the push to get women into STEM and that sort of thing. Like I got into engineering. Um, the college I went to had a summer workshop just for incoming freshman women. And that's where I got to make the lights blink and went, oh, I think I like this, you know, and I met other incoming freshman women that some of which I'm still friends with to this day. Um, And it helps you start building that network. 
Um, I went to graduate school on a scholarship for women and minorities in tech that was partially funded by Intel, and that eventually led to me getting a job. Um, my career transitions that I was able to go through at Intel were largely through leveraging connections that I made through the Women in Intel network. So um, I have this, the way I'm used to moving and changing and being in my career space is very centered around the women in tech movement and in those organizations. Um, and to be not only walking away from, you know, I don't have that Intel network because that's, I mean, I still have that network of people that I can tap into, but um, that only goes so far when you start to leave that space and go off into your own. Um, that now as I'm transitioning, I notice that, um, you know, I don't, uh, so to kind of give a little bit of information about me, I don't presently read as male. Um, most of the time people refer to me as she or her. Um, I, you know, so I, I, uh, when, it, when I'm talking to people, um, it's, uh, it's kind of a struggle to, you know, get the pronouns right and have yeah. to constantly tell that to people. And I I'm noticed sorry. that when, thanks, um, that's been really the hardest part yeah. is, um, I remember going out and going to these networking meetings and meeting people and, you know, they'd use the wrong pronouns and I try to gently correct them and everything from like, usually what happens is there's this kind of glazed look the person gets for about five seconds and then they like react in some way. Um, so I've had people, you know, go off and try and explain themselves and I've had people just sort of stammer and not be able to deal or people just kind of nod or people say, thank you. Like there's been a wide variety of responses, but when every single interaction you have, like once I started saying no, you know, you may not see me as male, but that is what I am, and I want to take up that space socially. Um, I uh, started um, doing a lot of networking in January to kind of build back up some consulting work, and I had to stop because it was so emotionally upsetting for me to constantly, you know, I'd, I'd go in and I'd introduce myself, um, you know, or talk to people as and say, well, is he and him? And then it's like, well, now what bathroom do I use? Um, I'm not really comfortable in either. Most yeah. places only have gendered bathrooms. And it was just way too much. Um, and I was still healing from surgery at the time. Um, I found that to be a lot to deal with. And then on top of it, when I tried to get involved, like, because I have come from this women in tech network, um, when I reach out to people and say, Hey, you know, I'm starting a freelance thing. I'm starting consulting. I'm running a startup. People will be like, Oh, I'm part of this great women's founders group, or I'm part of this women's masterminds group, or you should come to this, you know, meetup. It says it's for women, but you know, it's, it's okay if you come and going from this place of this was my network and this is how I get around to now feeling uncomfortable. Like, am I taking up space or do people perceive me as I begin to look more masculine? Um, as taking space away, or in some places, like I've actually been asked to not attend when I say I'm a trans guy, um, you know, despite perhaps having interacted in that space prior to owning um, space as a trans guy. So it's been really um, hard because, you know, then the emotionally it's been difficult, and then the network uh, that I had has kind of dried up. I mean, um, I'd love to tell you that when I walked out of the DMV with my driver's license that said M on it, that someone like a courier ran up to me and said, excuse me, um, sir, I have all of your back wages here and right. all of your, here's the little black book of professional connections you never made. Cause, um, I know there's like a, 
a BuzzFeed video or something about what women experience in the workplace and things like you're having a conversation with a male colleague and then they walk into the men's room with a bunch of other people and you're standing outside waiting and they come out and the business deal's done and you weren't part of it. Um, or, you know, I remember when I started, that's happened to me um, when I started working at Intel, most of the folks in like the kind of, I guess you'd call it like freshman engineering class that I came in with, I might've been the only, I guess I should say female presenting person. And there'd be times when the guys would all go out to lunch and no one would ask me to go with them. And it wasn't like an intentional thing, but it's like, Hey, all the guys are going out to do this thing or get a beer and you just naturally get left out. So there's not, it's not like that has been corrected for me. Um, so I kind of find myself at a loss, uh, professionally, um, as a result of transitioning. And that has definitely been, uh, difficult in addition to the emotional stuff too. Ugh. I'm sorry. <sighs> Thanks. Like everything is set up according to mm-hmm. gender lines and, um, and societal expectations of those, you know, in, in, you know, the boys night out and, um, or girls night out or, or whatever. And I guess, um, I guess I'm just now as we're having this conversation, realizing that that can be very beneficial, especially, you know, when you are a cisgender woman, Uh but I'd never considered the, the ramifications of, of a transition uh, of a gender transition while being, um, a part of the women in tech community um and the full ramifications of of what that might mean so like i don't know what i'm trying to say i guess i'm saying thank you for sharing that because i i i learned something new and i have a new perspective Mm -hmm. um but i wish there was something i could do to help you (laughs) yeah well um and i do to your point i do agree um like um women's space you know whether it's cis women are women, cis or trans. Um, and I think having women's specific space is certainly a beneficial thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, it gets into a very nuanced topic of, you know, what is, um, the point of women's space and gendered space. And I do know that those spaces are getting, um, better about, you know, recognizing that trans women are also women and including them and also, yes, um, as it should be. And, uh, reaching out to non-binary folks as well. And, um, it's a thing that I'm trying to figure out um, if there's something that I can do to help too, because when it comes to um, trans guys, especially in the tech community, there's um, I, when I was at PyCon, I gave a a short five minute uh, lightning talk on this subject on transitioning in tech. And um, afterwards someone came up to me and handed me his business card and said, Hey, um, there's a trans guy that works for me and I wanted to give you my contact information. So I reached out to him after the fact and, um, this uh, trans man who works for him got in touch with me over email. He's like, it's great to meet, you know, not only another trans guy, but another trans guy in tech. Cause there's not very many of us. And not only that, but um, while I don't experience, you know, being read as male now, my understanding is that um, for a lot, not all um, trans guys, that does become a thing. And so uh, a lot of times people are not necessarily, um, it's, I don't want to say out because, um, for transgender people, we live out, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like by living my life as who I am, as a man, I am out. And to tell people I am trans really serves, um, 
no, you know, it's not like, you know, when you, you tell someone you are a gay person or you're a lesbian, you're like, I'm not hiding who I love anymore. It's like, I'm not hiding anything. I'm living as I am. And, you know, a lot of trans guys who are living it as they are tend to blend in as, you know, people will call it going stealth. Um, so it's also hard to access that because there's really no value in, um, unless you're wanting to be an advocate, um, but it can be very unsafe to, to tell people that you're trans. Um, yeah. It can cause you to lose your job. So there's, you know, if people blend in, that's kind of, I, I will be perfectly honest that um, as I'm going through my transition, I am very much looking for hopefully a time when I do uh, blend in and am read as male because that's from, that's who I am. But um I also uh, fear uh, my constant need to out myself um, just by saying, you know, this is my gender um, or these are my pronouns. Um, so it's something that I, you know, I talk to some, I have, I think, one friend who's a trans guy who works in tech right now. And we have conversations about like, is there something we can do, um, you know, either to organize space? Um, there are some organizations like Trans Tech in Oakland, uh, that are, uh, that were created for trans people, um, in general. And, uh, one of the things I've looked into is in the Portland area, does it make sense for us to maybe try and organize something like that, um, to have inclusive space for people, um, that would, uh, that are maybe transgender, gender queer, non-binary, um, that would be inclusive of trans men. So we have, uh, some kind of space, um, and support network within the tech community. Um, so that's and, and sharing my story too is uh, like I really appreciate you bringing me on the show to talk to you about it because it is a, a thing that um, when I find that I talk to people that they have the same reaction that you did about wow I didn't think about it that way mm -hmm. or I don't know these people um, even you know when we were uh, tweeting back and forth about me potentially coming on I had people respond to me and say I would really love to hear this perspective of the um, female to male experience in tech, because I feel like that's not something I hear ever. Um, so yeah. I'm, you know, by trying to uh, be out and have these conversations to the point that I feel safe and that I have the um, uh, mental energy, uh, emotional energy, I guess, to do it. Um, that's kind of what I'm, I'm trying to think of ways that I can, uh, make things better for us and kind of create those supportive communities. We'll get back to the episode in just a second, but I wanted to take a moment to let you know about this episode's sponsor. Once again, this episode of Less Than or Equal is brought to you by Martian Craft. Now, Martian Craft is behind some of the most prominent software on the App Store, but what you may not know is that they offer a wide variety of training. They have classes to accommodate anyone from entry level to senior iOS developers who are seeking to amplify their skills or improve their collaborative problem solving. They even have code review and design review for people who are looking to up their game. Fortune 500 companies rely on Martian Craft to make their teams and software better. To find out for yourself why they're the right choice for your company, go to martiancraft.com forward slash training to learn more. I'd like to thank Martian Craft for sponsoring Less Than or Equal yet again and all of Relay FM. You know, I, I think you were the second trans man I've had on the show. I've had several trans women, um, but I don't know why. I, well, I think it's because women in tech to begin with is an issue. And then when you 
talk about trans men in tech because there aren't a lot of, you know, people who identify as women. It's harder to find people who are male, trans males. And um, it's a different perspective than being a trans woman in tech or trans woman mm-hmm. in any space. And so um, I appreciate that, like, you wanted to come on and talk about your experiences um, because yeah, I'm, I'm missing, I'm missing your perspective and, uh, it's not something, you know, for, for people listening, like make trans friends, but it's not their responsibility to tell you, like, be your trans experience educator. Yes. <laughs> um, so I appreciate that there are people such as yourself who are willing to come, you know, and talk openly about it because, um, it's needed, but it's not necessary. Does that make sense? Like you, you do not have to represent or have to educate cisgender people. Right. Yes. But we need education and it's, it's hard. Yeah. That is a delicate balance. And, um, it's something that I'm trying to balance myself as a trans person is when people ask me pointed questions. Um, I kind of feel this and I don't know if it's like my upbringing or conditioning or whatever, but I feel like I must answer them and I must tell them. And, you know, that means revealing things about myself. And um, I recently had one of these such interactions with someone uh, recently. They, um, we had talked a little bit about my being trans, uh, just came up with a conversation. And um, this person said to me, well, why not just be butch? And um, I took a few breaths yeah. and uh, decided to try and, and say a little bit about that. Um, and I was there, a friend was with me, and um, she kind of interjected and said, you know, um, I read a really good subreddit on, on things like this. You know, maybe I can send that to you. Oh, nice. And later we sat down and she said, you know, is there something I could have done different in that situation? I said, no, I thought that was really helpful. And she said, you don't have to share your personal story. Like you, there are resources. Um, the talk I gave at PyCon, that's actually online. And I'll, um, when we wrap up, I, it'll probably be linked off of some of the websites that I give you. Great. Um, but in addition, when I gave that talk at the end of it, I said, and here is, you know, the basically trans 101 from Glad that you can read, um, you know, to, to find out more information. Um, but it's, it's helpful for me to get those reminders too, as a trans person, because I, you know, you, you want to educate people because education is really how people come to an understanding, but then you struggle with, you know, the safety of a lot of people can't have those conversations because it's just not safe. Um, it's emotionally draining, you know, um, so it's, it's a nice reminder that, yeah, you, we need the education, but we don't, uh, we as in trans people, um, are not, uh, on the hook to be that education. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. And that's, that's part of why I created the show. Um, well, it was mostly because I wanted to learn and I was like, well, there are many things that other people need to learn too. So let's just kind of make this a public thing, but that's that's why this space exists is so that if and when people are comfortable talking about their lived experiences, they can come and hopefully hit, you know, many people at once so that maybe it's, I don't know, less effort to get their message out. Yeah, that's a that's a great idea. And um, thank you for providing this space because that's such a, a help to um, like what you said, like just um, just being able to get it out there. but to a bunch of people so you don't have to repeat it yeah it's you know nice and then the people tuning into your show are the people that also want to learn 
And um, I think I think that's a it's a really wonderful space that you've given to both the people who want to tell stories and um, the people who want to hear the stories. So thank you. I hope it is. And thank you. No, I, I really appreciate you coming and sharing because, like I said, it's not it's definitely not your responsibility. So <laughs> I am grateful. Um, what has gone right or what has gone well with these dual transitions? Yeah. Um, well, I will say that, you know, since we've kind of been talking about it, the difficulties of being trans, I have been um, pleasantly surprised by the number of people uh, who have shown up as allies and who have been really wonderful from uh, former coworkers that, you know, I meet at functions or networking events. Um, I updated my LinkedIn and just said, you know, these are my pronouns and I've had a name change and that was really it. And um, the number of people that pay attention to that and um, that have come up to me and said, you know, um, thank you for even like sharing. I, I share um, quite a bit on my Facebook with my, my family and friends. And I've had a lot of people private message me and say, thank you for being out and telling these stories, or I have a child who is trans, or I um, think I might be trans and I find it helpful to hear about your journey. So it's been really good to know that, um, good both to know that by me putting things out there that I feel comfortable with is helping other people, but also being surprised when I do go out and people are very receptive. Uh, the uh, One of the first big networking things that I went to is a, a networking day that there was hundreds of people at, and I arrived. I didn't know where anything was. I just asked a woman who was there, like, what's going on? And she showed me around and kind of got me set up and introduced me to a few people. And as she was walking and introduced me to someone for the first time, I, I said, you know, my pronouns are he and him. And she said, well, thank you for telling me, you know, I wasn't sure. And uh, took an opportunity. We all had about, uh, I think it's six seconds to introduce yourself to the room. They go around to everybody. So you have an opportunity to say who you are and what you do. So you can connect with people after the event. And when I uh, got up to give mine, I'd written it down because I was nervous and I didn't, I couldn't remember what I wanted to say. And I said, you know, I'm going to read this because I'm nervous. And this woman who had just met me, who was sitting next to me said, yes, he has been fretting about this. So, you know, give him a lot of credit for doing this. And I don't know if she was being intentional about using my pronouns, but I really, really appreciated it. And it was such a relief. And so when things like that happen, um, that's, that's really excellent. Um, and then on the work side of things, I feel like I've, when I was working in cubicles and I kind of had a, uh, a cubicle mentality of this is kind of what you do. This is who you talk to, you know, and I, I felt like I couldn't go out of those lines. Mm -hmm. So an example, when I was starting to get interested in software development, uh, there was a, um, there's a website called Strava.com where you can log, gosh, at this point, you can log anything like running, cycling, skiing, hiking, any kind of activity. If you have an activity monitor, like I, I had a Garmin and I was doing a lot of cycling at the time and it collects your data. You connect socially with other people so you can see what other, you know, your friends are doing. You compete for who can get to the top of a mountain faster or who, you know, rides this segment of pavement faster. And it's kind of this really interesting um, 
website. And I remember when they first got started, I was like, wow, that is so cool. I'd love to go work at a place like this. What do I need? What are the skills I need? So they had a job opening and I printed it out and I put it on the side of my cubicle wall while I was doing hardware design work. And I said, that's what I want. And I now realize that I probably could have reached out to them at that time and said, I'm really interested in what you're doing. Is there any way I can get involved? You know, here's my background. And at the time I had this thought of, no, I need to develop all the skills on this job listing before I could have a job like this. And so what I've been learning is, yes, you still are going to need to have some of those skills, but um, being passionate and being interested and saying, you know, I, here's a, for me, here's a track record of how I have pivoted through different careers and different paradigms. So can you give me a chance? Like, or can I job shadow or what can I do to be involved? I think what you're doing is really great. And people really respond to that. Um, as I was talking to different uh, outdoor tech startups, um, there were a few people that said to me, why don't you come work with us? Um, you know, you're doing really interesting stuff. And I'd heard of things like that happening before, but before I put myself out there and started kind of pushing through that uncomfortable, reaching out, talking to people, asking for introductions, um, I hadn't experienced that. So that has been a really uh, excellent feeling to, as you're going about networking your business or just shopping around this idea or talking about your passions, that these opportunities come up to connect with people, um, potentially for work opportunities. And that Generally, as someone who is on their own, doesn't have the comfort of a a job right now, um, knowing, getting that reassurance that, yes, I have skills and, yes, there are people that would want to hire me or would want to give me work is is a really good feedback to have. Um, And just the the personal growth that I've experienced has been really incredible um, as I've challenged myself to take that leap into uh, self-employment and challenge myself to go out and network. Um, it's very tiring and I do have to take breaks from it. There's times that I look at my schedule and I'm like, I really should go to this meetup or I really should go to this um, event or this talk, but I really just need to stay home and or I really just need to go camping for a few days. Um, but it, it can't, that's really been a good thing too is understanding when I need to recharge and what are the things that I do to recharge and learning to let go of that because I would have a lot of anxiety and still do around like, oh, but what if I don't go to this event and if I miss missing this person and that and that, and it can be very anxiety provoking and just out of necessity to say, I need to be mentally healthy. I'm not going to get anything done if I'm so anxious I can't function, so I need to take that time away, and I feel like that's been um, a really good uh, personal development thing, and it's helped my work too because now I know, like I have, I find that I have more um, structure when I sit down to work on a technical problem, whereas before I try and just barrel through, like oh I'm stuck, I'm going to keep trying to go through this, and then I make a mistake, and I have to back up from the mistake, and it just becomes this um, horrible uh, trash fire. I think to borrow a phrase you used earlier, um, tire fire would be accurate. It just keeps burning and you just keep throwing more tires on it. Um, but now I'm kind of learning from these other, you know, experiences that I've had that, you know, just get up. Um, that's a nice thing about one of the reasons that I really want to do this freelancing thing is I love that I can be working and go, I'm getting stressed out. I'm going to go 
do some yoga in the living room in my underwear for 10 minutes and then I'm going to come back and sit down, you know, that I have the opportunity to take the kind of breaks and I try and do it. Like I, Intel has a huge campus and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to go outside for a walk. And it's like walking around a corporate campus and walking around squat buildings does not rejuvenate my mind. Right. I, I love that I live in a place where there's, um, near my home, there's natural beauty that I can go out and that is rejuvenating to me. Or even just like walking across the street and having a conversation with my neighbor. Um, it's not the same as being in an office. Um, and I find like, I'm really, really hoping to figure out this freelance thing because I feel like the benefit to my mental health and my ability to do work is just so much better. Um, being able to kind of do it more so on my terms. So I would say those are uh, really good things that have, have come out of uh, my my adventures here. Can I tell you how much this is resonating with me right now? Because um, so I left my job at uh, the end of March and mm -hmm. have been focusing. Congratulations. Thank you. And have been focusing on getting App Camp for Girls Phoenix off the ground um, awesome. since then. Um, but that's the camp is the end of July. And then that's going to kind of be over, at least for now. Well, in the inaugural big stressful one is going to be over, but mm -hmm. I've been thinking a lot about like, Oh, I should look for a job, but I've worked from home for so long. I was lucky enough that my employer was Canadian based. So I just worked from home and it was awesome. And I don't, but I, I was still beholden to them for, you know, getting a certain number of hours done in addition to, you know, whatever work I had to get done. And mm -hmm. so I don't want that. Like, I want to be able to pick and choose the projects that I do. And, um, and it's scary to me. And so it's been really good for me to hear you talk about, you know, for the last few minutes about those things that you want that are the same as the things that I want and how you're yeah. going after them. That's really um, empowering for me. <laughs> so I really Good. appreciate you sharing that with me. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Glad to help. Oh, good. <laughs> um, yeah. I will say that um, what I've been learning, uh, I just picked up a book, uh, the freelancers Bible I got it from the library by Sarah Horowitz. It was really well recommended to me. And, um, that's uh, kind of hitting on some of the points that I've noticed from other people that freelance. And it's like, you want to, you go into freelance and you're like, oh, you know, I'm going to pick my hours. I'm going to pick my clients. And I think uh, that may happen for some people eventually. But what I've been experiencing is that when you're trying to get off the ground, you kind of Hustle. really have to put as many irons in the fire as yeah. you possibly can. I mean, I'm doing everything from signing up to take like somebody's like we need people who have a background in python and electronics to take a survey we'll pay you two hundred dollars and i'm like i will do that <laughs> that is a way i can make money or right. going back and remembering in graduate school that as the only native english speaker in the lab i was working in i was the um proofreader and the copy editor for academic papers and i'm like there might be work i could pick up there but just that's what i'm learning too is that i want um I feel like at this point, even if, and I will be and am, um, the extra hours that I'm working in kind of, it, it feels like constantly working, really, but it's much more satisfying to me to be constantly working to do my own thing right? and to be seeing, you know, it, it's also empowering to sit down and write down a list of skills and say, okay, what could I possibly do for people? It's like, I can barbecue really well. 
Um, I don't think I want to be a personal chef, but it's kind of interesting to sit down and list out your skills and say, oh, yeah, I could do that. Or maybe people need that. Or, you know, I just noticed as we're talking and as I was thinking through yesterday, what are my skills? That's kind of like one of the first things in this freelancer book. Um, it, I noticed that I really did enjoy that aspect of going out and talking to people about the product I was working on, trying to I, – I like connecting people. Like when I meet someone – one of the first things that comes to mind is, what do you do? What do you need? And how can I connect you to someone? Mm -hmm. I'm like, that sounds like maybe a thing I could do. It is. You know, and it's, I find it really empowering to work through those skills, but also it's like a, you're kind of a, an every, every person as opposed to an every man, you know, you're like, you kind of have to be a bit of a jack of an all, of all trades to be willing to pivot and um, kind of coming back to that concept of learning new things. And you also expressed that you enjoy learning new things. Um, and that's, I, I, that's another reason why I'm really stoked about trying this freelancing stuff is you have to be learning new things all the time and stretching yourself and expanding. So, um, so yeah, I'm, it, it's, it's really cool. Um, I'm, I'm excited for you. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited for both of us. Um, I, what I have found really helpful for, for, I don't know if you've done this and for people who are listening, who are thinking about freelancing or switching jobs or whatever, um, is I'm really far into the Aline imposter syndrome rabbit hole. And mm. so I can't see my skills and talents all that well. Um, and I enjoy doing so many things that it, it can be hard for me to focus. There's mm -hmm. ADHD coming through. Um, so what I have found really helpful is going to my friends and saying, Hey, what, what do you think I'm good at? What do you, that's a great idea. What do you think I maybe could focus on? And literally I've had friends who are like, I've been thinking about this for you. I was just waiting for you to ask. So that's great. <laughs> that might not be something that everybody wants, but it's certainly been helpful for me to, to kind of be like, Oh, you know, that kind of validates what I was mm -hmm. feeling and wasn't necessarily sure about, or, Oh, I hadn't even considered that. Let me look into yeah. that a little bit more. So mm -hmm. I don't know if that's something you've tried or not, but it's, it's been interesting for me. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've really tried that route too much because I've really been focused on this, um, which is another thing that if you're coming from a technical career, um, track sort of position, that I've always focused when people are like, well, what can you do? I'm like, well, you know, here are the programming languages I know, or mm -hmm. here is um, the system I've built. And uh, what I'm noticing is it's like, I don't want those gigs. So like the gigs that are like, oh, we need you to have 10 years of Swift experience, which is ridiculous because that's <laughs> not a thing that ex exists. But you know what I'm talking I about. I do. I absolutely um, do. Yeah, but it's, uh, I feel like when I've asked my friends, it's always I, first of all, don't ask most of my friends because most of them are programmers. And I'm like, do you think that my Python skills are good enough to go for this freelancing job is sort of the way I've been approaching it right. and kind of working through like, okay, what are my skills? I sat down and I said, you know, this is really interesting because I'm kind of looking at freelancing opportunities that are very specific around coding and, and that's a great thing to look at because there is, there are needs for those and that could be definitely an avenue to make money. But, um, you know, like I was saying to you just now about the skill of like, you know, could you market yourself as a person who networks for other people or something like that? And I feel like those kinds of skills, I it would be helpful for me to go and say to people like, what do you think I would be good at? Yeah. Instead of prefacing it with, you know, here are my, do you think I could do web design? Right. Um, do you think I could do this type of development? And 
I think that that's a really clever idea uh, to ask your friends. And it's like, cause that's what really, you know, to wind back, that's what my parents did is they saw that um, in their minds, my 13, 14 year old self on the gateway 2000 computer in our kitchen um, in the early nineties, building GeoCities web pages screamed uh, computer genius apparently to them. Sev, I think we were maybe not quite the same person, but pretty close to the same person <laughs> in our youth. Cause so much of what you're saying is like, yeah, totally on board oh, with awesome. that. That's what I did. So <laughs> every once in a while I try and go find it in the Wayback machine. Like I, I think I found my tripod site in the Wayback machine once and I wish I'd <laughs> saved the link somewhere. Um, anything that had Miles Davis or something that's kind of obsessed with Miles Davis in high school. Um, <laughs> that makes sense. But yeah, right. Jazz musician, jazz trumpet player, Miles Davis. Uh, but I, like my parents saw that in me and said this, you know, I, I, it's a great idea to ask those people close to you and say, is there something you see that I'm just innately good at yeah. that I should, you know, even like if you don't know how to convert it into a job or a freelancing gig to kind of know that and like, just kind of let it marinate and, you know, put it out there and be like, Oh, well, how could I, you know, do that? I, yeah. That's a, it's a, a really good idea. Yeah. It's been, it's been really interesting. I might not do anything with any of it, but right. it's been super fascinating to see one, how people perceive me and also what I think I'm missing in myself. Uh -huh. Um, it's been enlightening. So um, so Sev, where can people find you online? Okay, so online, um, I recently kind of quit Twitter, so that's probably not a terribly good way to try and find me these days. Um, if you'd like to reach out to me directly, you can find me at Sev, S-E-V, as in Victor, at thedatascout.com. That's the name of my business, The Data Scout. That is a great name. Thank you. Um, I was trying to figure out a way to marry my uh, data interests and my outdoor interests and kind of came up with that. Um, so the datascout.com is my like business website and there's some links to, uh, um, some of the recent talks and tutorials I've given that also will have links to my GitHub. I'm uh, G I Z M zero zero on GitHub and, uh, the camping website I built and I'd love to get feedback from people if they use it, if they think it's helpful or, um, they think it's terrible and they have other ideas. Um, that, that is campnear.me. C-A-M-P-N-E-A-R dot M-E. Um, those are kind of the, the places that I can think of right now that you would find me on the interwebs. Those will be in the show notes. And you can find the show on Twitter at less than or equal. If you have feedback, suggestions for guests, or would like to be a guest, please go to relay.fm forward slash L-T-O-E and fill out the contact form. And if you have a few minutes, it really helps us out if you leave a review or star rating on iTunes. It helps people find the show. It helps people know the show is good. Um, it helps people hear interesting conversations like the ones we just had. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time on an internet near you, I'm Aline Sims for Less Than or Equal. <laughs>